Tom Sale here at Community. If you would like to be a seller for this event, go online to sign up or just come and shop. Look for more information in the bulletin or online. For any questions, contact me, Lindsay, for more info. Ladies, the well resumes on Tuesday the 17th at 6.30 in the Mosaic. Come enjoy some cozy, warm fellowship and be inspired by the story that God's been writing in one of our own women here at Community. As always, bring a friend or meet a new one here. Hope to see you there. Have a great week. Good morning, community. Let's stand together as we sing together, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues. One, two, three. You might not realize this, but I just walked in the room, so. Ah, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ on this blessed morning to those who are worshiping online, uh, on the telephone, and who are in the room here. Uh, God's grace and blessing on you. It is so good to be here together. Uh, as we get started in worship today, as we get to spend this time together, I want to encourage and invite you all to turn to your neighbors and welcome each other.
<laughs> so I was getting ready to walk over and do the greeting, and Doug walked in, and I, I saw him come in, and then all of a sudden there's this little, okay, he's got it, and then, but I was going to, if I had to stand up and do that, and then stand up to preach, and he wasn't here, he's going to wonder what happens at the end of the service, and so I was just telling him that, and he goes, well, I am going to be leaving again, but I will be back, so we're counting on that, all right. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Uh, we are... We're in this, this series on the gospel according to Luke, and we're going to look through the whole chapter 5 today. We're not going to read all of that, um, but I think I've mentioned this before. This is my thir- our, our third time since I've been here for the last, I've been here, I'm in my 11th year now. Um, we've been through the gospel of Luke. This is our third time. And what is great about that is that we stay familiar with the gospel. Um, what's tough about that as a preacher is the, the passages that, you, that you're most familiar with and that are not easy to preach, but the ones you want to go to you've heard them. So we go to the more obscure. Um, and it's exciting for me. It, 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 it's more difficult, but it's exciting because, um, because it means that, that parts of the Word of God that aren't often proclaimed are proclaimed. You think back a couple of weeks to the genealogy of Jesus that goes all the way back to Adam. That's not something that most of us hear preached on. So today, we're gonna, they're, they're familiar stories, the calling of Levi and Jesus is questioned about fasting, and then he goes on to talk about wine, new wine in old wineskins, or vice versa. Um, but I want to talk through the whole. I want to talk through the whole chapter because there's a lot going on that we know the individual stories, or as a preacher would call them, pericopes, these little sections of scripture. But Luke, putting these all together in this chapter, there's some, there's extra things he's trying to communicate that are beyond just those individual stories. So let me pray, and then we'll get into it. I don't think it's a long message today, um, although I don't have any notes, so who knows? Who knows where that goes? So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you do in us, especially for us and through us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would have us see and hear, and give us hearts to receive it. And Lord, if there's anything I have planned to say that you don't want said, I don't want to say it. Convict me of it later, but do not let me speak it to your people. But Lord, if there's something you want to say that I haven't found in prayer and study, um, make it clear to me that it's from you, and I will speak it to your people. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we praise you for, for who you are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, Luke chapter 5. Um, last week we were in four, and <laughs> good, it's all good stuff. I love the Gospels. Um, if I had to pick one, um, it's probably Mark, just because it, we, we were pretty sure it was the earliest Gospel, and I took a class in college. I took another class specifically to the book of Mark in, in, in seminary, and it's just the one I go to over and over and over again. Um, but Luke, man, he covers everything. And he, he doesn't skip over anything at all. So this, 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 this chapter is, if you think about it, last week we talked about the temptations of Jesus, and then immediately he, he starts his ministry and he heals many. This is, um, now in, in chapter 5, this is when Jesus is calling his first disciples. And you'll remember, I'm sure that when he calls Peter and James and John, they're they're fishing, right? So that how, how it starts off here is that Jesus 
came to their boat and he pushed off in the boat and preached for a while to the people that were starting to follow him around. And after he was done preaching, he says to Peter, um, it's daytime and you only fished at night back then. And Peter knew what he was doing and, and, and he hadn't caught anything. And so Jesus pushes off uh, or he says, hey, Peter, just take your nets, throw them over on this side. It's like, you know, we, we're not going to catch anything. But because it was Jesus, he threw him in. And there were so many, so many fish that it almost sunk the boat. And James and John had to come over to help them get everything in. And then Peter sees what happens, knew that he had, a, a, he had been skunked that night. And he, in, in humility, in, in all of Peter's, some would say he's got some arrogance in him because he's, he's the, uh, what is it, ready, fire, aim kind of, a, kind of a mentality. But Peter, in his humility, falls, it says here, it falls, he falls at Jesus' knees, which I think is kind of a curious statement. But, and he says, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. So I'm, I'm not worthy of what you've done, and I'm a common fishing man, and I don't, you, holy men should not be near me. And that's kind of a, a cultural um, idea of that time that, that, that Pharisees and rabbis, they didn't, they didn't interact with common folk. They didn't interact with sinful folk. And if you, if, you, if you know the scriptures and you know the gospels, you know that the Pharisees, they had this idea that, that they separated themselves from the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. They didn't interact. In fact, if they did interact, they were ceremonially unclean. And so here's this rabbi, this new, this new preacher, this new teacher, this new itinerant preacher that, that comes and he's speaking wonderful things. People are starting to follow. He speaks with authority. They're starting to follow. They hear about him, his miracles. And they, some people want to just, they just want to see it. Other people want to get what, 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 what they want. And then Jesus calls on people for certain things. And he interacts with people that no one else interacts with. No other religious person is going to give the time of day to someone like Peter. Now, it's, it's likely that James and John, that their, uh, their sons of Zebedee, that their, that their dad had some wealth, that there was more like a fleet of fishing boats. But Peter, he's just, he's just a blue-collar guy that has struggles to make ends meet. And he has an interaction with Jesus, and he's humbled. And then Jesus says, come on, you come with me. Leave everything behind, and I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately after that, Jesus comes in contact with a leper. And I don't know how immediately it is, how far they walked or, or what happened, but, but a leper walks up to Jesus and, say, and falls to his knees. Now, we could go through this. We've preached on this before. But if you're a leper in that day and age, and by the way, that's Hansen's disease today, but it was also psoriasis and a few other skin issues. They didn't know the difference. So if, if lesions started presenting on your skin, you went through a test for seven days. Um, you were isolated for seven days, and then the priest would check you. And if those lesions weren't gone, um, it's another seven days. And then if they weren't gone, you're gone. You, no contact with people. You're not supposed to have any contact with anybody in this. Um, and, and you're supposed to, by law, when you come into shouting distance of another person, you're supposed to stop dead where you are and yell out unclean until those people can pass by. And then you can continue on your way. So it's an, you're, you're ostracized and you start to experience not loneliness, but aloneness. So this man, when he comes up, and if you don't do what you're supposed to do, if you don't yell unclean and you come in contact, close proximity with another person, the right thing to do in that culture was to stone him to death. So this man, 
risked his life to come to Jesus, and he falls on his knees and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the beautiful thing about this is that Jesus reached out and touched him and then said, I'm willing, be clean. And he tells him to go off. Don't tell anyone, go off, go through the the cleansing rituals with the priests, present yourself there. Um, But I find it curious that Jesus takes this this man, it's, it's both audacious and humble. I would say eager. He's eager for healing. He comes to Jesus and he, and he falls on his knees and doesn't say, he doesn't demand anything from Jesus. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the beautiful thing about that, that interaction is that Jesus touched him first and then healed him. So this man who hasn't had human touch, probably for months, maybe years, Jesus decides to love him right where he is and then change outside and inside. And immediately following that, wherever they, they went, that was probably off, you know, outside of town. And then they went into town and he's inside of someone's home and he's preaching. And I don't know what he's, what he's uh, he might be the Beatitudes, whatever he's saying. And there's four, there, there's four guys that have a friend who's a paralytic. He's paralyzed probably from the waist down because if it's from the, from the neck down, he couldn't breathe. Um, and they can't get through. There's too big of a crowd. So they climb up on the roof. I'm sure they're teenagers because I, I, they, they're not concerned about property rights or, or damage that they would do. I mean, they're just buddy. He's my buddy. I want my buddy better. And so they tear through, and Luke uses the word tiles, the tiles of the roof, and lower down the mat the paralyzed man was lying on and with the paralyzed man. And Jesus looks up and sees their faith and says, young man, your sins are forgiven. And what do you think the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law are thinking at that point? They don't say it out loud. They're like, who can, who's this guy think he is? Who can forgive sin but God alone? And Jesus knows what's going on. And by the way, I want you to watch this in Luke. Whenever Jesus knows what they're thinking, immediately, almost, almost every time, immediately following that, there's some instruction from Jesus. But he, he, and I paraphrase, this is more of the Mark version than the Luke, but, but he says, which is easier to say? Or why are you thinking like that? Which is easier to say to this young man, your sins are forgiven? Or get up, pick up your mat, and walk? Well, obviously, it's easier for me to say your sins are forgiven because who, who's, who's going to be able to test that? But if I, if I have a paralyzed person in front of me and I say, get up, get out of your wheelchair and walk, walk, walk away, and they don't do it, I look foolish. But for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven cost him his life. It took everything. It, 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 was, it, it was the harder of the two things because when he says your sins are forgiven, they are indeed. But he says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, young man, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And he does. He had faith that would move a muscle. He was laying there, lying there on his mat in front of everybody. And Jesus commands him to get up. Now, he could, I'm sure he's been to plenty of healers before, plenty of doctors before. He could go, you know what? I'm not going to do it through this whole process again. I'm not setting myself up for disappointment. I am, I'm, whatever. I'm going to thank you, preacher, for forgiving my sins. But instead, he responded to the command of Christ, get up. And he, he, he engaged his core, and he sat up. And then he decided to trust that his legs would work. Welcome back, Doug. Then he, then he decided that, his leg, that I'm going to trust that my legs will work. And he stood up. And he picked up his stuff. And he left. And people started talking. Amazed at what had just happened. And then we come to this, 
this next story, which is when Jesus leaves that building, walks out, and he sees a man named Levi, who we now know as Matthew. And this is how that story goes. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me. Two words. Follow me. Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Remember, they asked his disciples, but Jesus again knows what's going on. Maybe he overheard it, but he answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have, come to call, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And there's a, a continued debate that happens after this, but um, I want you to notice what he says. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. I have, not call, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. To the Pharisees, they think that the sinners and the tax collectors are the ones in need. But Jesus sees that they are humble and they respond and they're eager for what Jesus has to say. So when Jesus says, and he's setting up what happens next, when he says to the, to, to the Pharisees and to the, the teachers of the law that belong to that Pharisaical sect, he's saying it's not the healthy that need a doctor but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous but the sinners. They don't see it, but he's talking to them. You're the sinners. You need to be called. You're the ones who are sick. He's saying to the ones who think they're righteous, you're not. And he's saying to the ones that know they're sinners, you're forgiven. There's a guy named Soren Kierkegaard who was an existentialist philosopher turned Christian. And one of the things he says about the... the, the, the the condition of humanity is there are only two types of people in the world. Sinners who think they're righteous and righteous who know they're sinners. And I, I, can, I can be sure of what I'm saying to you right now because of what happens next. They continue to, to have this ongoing debate. And they said to him, they changed the subject. It's not the sinners. I, I haven't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. It's not the sick or it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. And so they, they shift gears on him. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Um, just so you know, Pharisees, usually twice a week. Um, sometimes the fast would last up to six days. Sometimes, actually, on very rare occasions, uh, 21 days. But they fasted publicly twice a week. And you'll, you, you know the story when Jesus talks about, you know, when, when, when you pray, don't go out in the street and use all the big words. And when you fast, don't, don't, you don't have to tear your garments and, and put smudge on your face as the Pharisees do. They, they made a big deal about how righteous they were. And there was this idea that if you fast, you cannot fast or you cannot be faithful to God unless you're fasting. Unless you're willing to sacrifice to show your devotion to God, then you're not devoted to God. And it was, it was as ingrained as anything. John's disciples, every rabbi, every, every teacher who was Jewish had, their, had a different way of doing it and called them to different kinds of fasts, but every one of them called them to fast. And so they'd shift gears on the whole hanging out with, uh, with tax collectors and quote-unquote sinners 
what about fasting? And Jesus said, can, can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. And then he told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it onto an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine, skin, or new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. Now, I did a little research on this because I've never researched this before. Um, wineskins were made out of the gullet, like the, the upper part of a stomach and the throat area of, of sheep and goats. Now they tanned it, they got rid of the fur, they, 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 they processed, and, but that, after they, after they cleaned it all up and sewed it all up and made it into what it needs to be, um, when you pour wine into it, they, they get the wine ready, they put it in, and I don't know how to make, I don't have any idea how to make wine. I do know that my dad, back in the day when he was a young man, um, he, when he was a young man and he wasn't legal to do so yet, he made beer. And he put extra baking soda or baking powder, I think it was baking soda, in the beer because he wanted to have a little, a, little, a little pop as it was fermenting. And he hid it under his parents', um, under his parents house. And about three weeks later, he had forgotten. Plus, he was young enough, he wasn't supposed to, to know it was there. So he, he had to wait for his parents to be gone before he went in there, uh, went, went back under there. But that one night, they started hearing pop, 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 pop. They had fermented and started blowing the, the tops off the bottles. And he got, he got he, I don't know if you know this, but Southern boys doing something like that. He got whooped. <laughs> I don't know how fermentation works exactly, but I do know that when you put the wine in the wineskins, you let them sit, and over time, they expand. So there's gas released, and sometimes they have to burp the wineskins to let some of, the, some of the air out or some of the gases out. So it, over time, not only does the wineskin absorb what, what, what's in the wine, but then it, once it's done fermenting, it dries out. And if you've ever had, I had a, had a baseball mitt from high school, I still have it, and I used to oil it every single week even through college, because I was coaching a little bit. Um, but if I went and tried to catch a baseball with that, with that mitt, it's a, it's a, you don't care, but it's a Spalding. I love that, I love that mitt. Um, but if, 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 if someone that could throw more than like my granddaughter, um, it would burst the laces on the web because they're brittle. Now, I tell you all that for this reason. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, your way is old and dry and brittle, and you like it. But he's saying to them, my way is a new way. In the old traditions, the way it's always been, what you're most comfortable with, what you love, what you're hanging on to, what, what you're willing to condemn other people for not doing, that's changing. So in, in a house with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus is calling them to repentance, and he's doing the same to the Pharisees. Those that do not know 
the scriptures that do not know or at least have not been faithful to the ways of God at that time. Tax collectors in particular were kind of, if they were Jewish, they were sellouts. Those people were humble and eager to respond to the ministry, the new wine and new wineskin of Jesus. But the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, those who are in the know, the elite religious people of their time, were arrogant and reluctant at best. So they're calling the Son of God to repentance. And the Son of God is calling them to the same. Who says yes? Jesus isn't going to repent because he's the God of the universe and everything he says, this new wine, needs to come. But the worst of the people say, yes, Lord. And the best of the people, and I put that in quotes, say no. So what does that mean for us? Well, we are the religious people of our day. We know the wineskin. It tastes pretty good. We know what to do. We know who to be around. We know who to associate with. We have our religious practices. We have our family traditions. And we know the things that we do not do, and we know the things that we do. And Jesus may have something to say about the things we do and don't do, who we interact with and who we don't. See, the Pharisees, out of righteousness, separated themselves from the wrong kind of people. And it was an act of devotion to God in their minds. But what they did is they put themselves over others. They lorded it over people who aren't the way that they think God would have them be. Is there any truth of that in us? That we think of ourselves better than others? Because Jesus says time and time again, you should look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. But right before that, he says, consider others better than yourselves. He says that, that worldly, worldly rulers lord it over others, but you should be the servant of all. There's a reason this passage is a scripture, and it's not just for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that were part of their sect. It's a perpetual, ongoing, never-ending call to us to ask ourselves, are we old wineskins? And that is not a comment on anybody's age. Or are we always looking to see what Jesus is doing that's new? Are we humble and eager for the word of the Lord and the call of God? Or are we masked in humility? Are we arrogant and reluctant? So let me just ask a couple of questions. Is there someone that you know that you think of yourself, not out loud, but internally, as better than? Are there people that you think of as a group and you go, sinners? If there is, and they may be, but so are you. 
If there is, it might be time to confess and repent. To say, Lord, I started thinking of myself more highly than I ought. Forgive me and give me your heart for those people. And even better, give me your heart for that person so that I can show them who you are by how I live. That I can show them who you are by how I treat them. Because honestly, folks, if we look at the scriptures, we look at the story of Jesus' life, who did he treat best? Who was he kindest to? Who did he show compassion to? I would argue that he showed compassion to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law that were part of their sect, because he's telling them the truth, and he's calling them to repentance. But he's doing, the, he's doing the same thing with them that he's doing with the tax collectors and sinners. He's doing the same thing with them that he's doing with Peter. He's doing the same thing with them that he's doing with the leper. I'm willing. Be clean. And he's doing the same thing with them that he did with the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven, but so that you may know that the Son of God has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Young man, I say to you, get up, pick up your mat, go home. And who doesn't like it? The people that are supposed to know. And folks, there's no accusation in this, but we're the people that are supposed to know now. Have we become like them? If so, if we're honest, in part, all of us, then we need to confess. We need to tell God what he already knows about us. We need to repent, which is to turn around and go back the direction we're coming from, because that's always going back toward Jesus. No matter which way we're going astray, if he's the center, all we have to do is do a 180 and walk back. And here's the beauty of it, folks, especially if you start feeling really convicted about something. The beauty of walking away from Jesus, and when you, when you stop and you repent, and you go back, no matter how long of a journey it is away, it is not a long journey back, because he's been walking right behind you, whispering in your ear, think of Jiminy Cricket, or the, 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 the devil and the angel on your shoulder, but when you turn around, when you repent, he is right there waiting. He will not force his will upon you, but when you are ready to bend your will to him, he is right there. You don't need to search for him again, because he's been searching for you. You are the kind of worshipers that God seeks, spirit and truth. And a lot of times we think on the truth thing, like we got this, but where's our spirit? Are we humble and eager? Or are we masked in humility? Are we arrogant and reluctant? I can't answer that for you. The only person that can is you. And if Luke decided to record these moments, it's not so that we hate the Pharisees. It's so that we look at ourselves and see what Jesus is calling us to, what he wants to correct, and whose he wants us to be. I pray that we're humble and eager people. Let's pray. Lord, if there is any conviction in anyone's heart, Show them mercy so that they know it's from you and it's a good thing. This is not something to feel guilt or shame about. It's something to tell you 
because you already know it. And it gives you something to work with. Lord, help us be clay in, our, in, in you, the potter's hand. And Lord, if there's some way you need to refine us by fire, then we give you eager and humble permission to do so. Help us be more the person and the people that you want us to be. Help us remember that who we are is important, but whose we are is everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a hymn that we rarely sing, but it, I think it captures exactly the message that we've just heard. And it's a prayer of repentance. Let's try it together. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive us foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind in pure lives that service mine in deeper reverence pray. Take my life.
day. Um, this, uh, this morning, one of the things that we've got going on that we want to make sure we mark on this special day, uh, because she wasn't able to be here when we had profession of faith, we had a bunch of students come up and make profession of faith and break away. She, uh, she wasn't able to be here, so we are celebrating her profession of faith today. Uh, Emmy Olson is uh, making profession of faith, joining the church at Breakaway, uh, later on this morning. But as a church family, we receive all those who profess their faith and become members. And that means that we all together as one church need to make commitments to her as she makes a commitment to us. And so I'm going to ask you to please stand and as Christ's church to covenant together with Emmy, and then we will profess our faith with the Apostles' Creed. Do you, Community Reformed Church, welcome Emmy Olson into this community of faith do you pledge to her your love, your prayers, and your encouragement as she lives this Christian life with us? If so, please say, we do. We do. Let us profess our faith together, the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, 
the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It is not the only really cool thing happening today. We've got a, a, a day full of awesome stuff. Uh, wanted to make sure uh, before we get to the other significant moment to fill you in on some cool things that God has been doing, some people that we're going to be praying for. Uh, first of all, some cool things that God is doing. Um, I misled you last week. We did not end with a surplus of 44,000. We ended with a surplus of 89,000. Um, I, yeah. I guess sometimes God uses slow mail to bless his church. Um, anyway, so that is just an update for you. Uh, the exec team is meeting tomorrow for our, one of our regular meetings. We will be talking about what God's plan is for that. And, uh, and trying to be faithful in that. Also, a reminder that uh, this coming Wednesday is our annual congregational meeting. It will be at 6.30 here in this room. Our annual congregational meetings here at Community are a discussion of the proposed budget for the next year. You can see a copy of uh, the proposed budget on the information desk, uh, the Welcome Center over there. Uh, if you have questions about that, you can come on Wednesday night. Ballots are available now if you want to fill out a paper ballot and uh, vote on that. Online voting will be open today all the way through midnight on Wednesday. So hopefully you can come out to that. We can talk about that. You can ask any questions you might have. Next Sunday is breakfast Sunday, so come hungry. And I hope you're hungry today because it is cake day. Uh, there is Costco cake out there that we will be uh, partaking of here after the service and celebrating uh, Rick Smith's retirement. Uh, we are marking that moment, and i I prepared a bit of an announcement uh, for that, which I'm going, I'm going to wait on. I want to, I want to finish that. First of all, I want to just uh, update you on some prayer requests. Uh, first of all, uh, Eric Miller's heart cath went well, so uh, continue to be praying for Eric. Jim Heisinger's surgery went well this week, so thank you for your prayers for him. Uh, Bob Arnoldink is going to have knee surgery on Wednesday, so we want to be praying for Bob. And then uh, we want to continue to be praying for Nancy Rigg. Nancy did end up in the hospital again this week. Uh, just she, She's struggling, so we want to be praying for Bill and Nancy. Um, and then uh, Jacob Morin found out this week that he has leukemia. He found that out on Friday. So tough news uh, for him, and we want to be praying for Jacob and his family. And then uh, another congratulations, uh, our drummer, pardon? I'm sorry? Did I get the news from Jacob? So it's Alondra that has leukemia? Yes. <sighs> Whew. I mean, not like, like that's terrible. Um, thank you for the clarification. So Jacob Morin is the one who reached out. It is Alondra who is struggling, who just found out about leukemia on Friday. Wow. Thank you for the clarification. So we'll be praying for Alondra and her family, for Jacob, as they walk this road together. Um, congratulations to Troy and Asia. Troy is our drummer back here. Troy and Asia celebrated the birth of their baby boy, George Dell. That's not Troy. That's not Troy. <laughs> Troy wouldn't be here today. He just had a baby. <laughs> 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 
Sorry to put you on the spotlight there, buddy. Um, so big celebration uh, for them as well. Um, now, uh, about Rick, Rick Smith. Uh, this morning, I wanted to take a moment to recognize uh, someone who's been on our staff and serving Community Church for 30 years. Um, he retired at the end of 2022. Uh, this morning, we're hoping to have them in the commons after the service. Um, we, I talked to them. They're expected to be here at 9.30 in the commons. So we're going to have cake, and you get to hang out with them a little bit and fellowship together. Uh, Rick and Kathy Smith joined community in 1992 with their daughters, Michelle and Lindsay. Do you have that picture? Hey. Yeah, pictures don't die. We have them on file. So if you ever had a picture taken... Reverend Ryan Brandt was the pastor in those days. It didn't take long for Rick to get involved with the tech volunteers. He ran sound, he helped out, and it was just a couple years later when Reverend Stoughton was called to community, there was an idea for a new worship service to be held, Breakaway. It was going to be a contemporary style with drums and guitars. It was a groundbreaking change coming to community. It would mean a team of people working hard between services to transform the stage area and set everything up. We're talking about in the original sanctuary, what we call mosaic now. Rick was one of those people helping with teardown, set up, making it all work. In 1998, Rick joined the staff to make all that happen consistently. Breakaway moved into the gym around then, and it took a lot of work. A stage had to be built, wires run, chairs set up and taken down every week. I was talking to Kathy, and she mentioned that there were many a time when she would help Rick on a Saturday night after all the other events that had happened that day, and they would set up hundreds of chairs so that everything would be ready on Sunday morning. Over the years, Rick has been depended on by very many people as their sound guy. Weddings and special events, ministry meetings, funerals, you name it. If it needed sound, Rick was your man. Many of those ministry leaders would ask for him by name because he was dependable and helpful and resourceful. And I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Rick's hearing isn't the greatest. Hasn't been for a while, but that did not stop him. He always found a way to make it work, and it worked well, as, and, uh, and, and he did that. He did that for years. As his sound duties started slowing down, though, his custodial duties did pick up. And for 30 years, he served here at Community and in the greater West Michigan area. There are many other ministries, many events, me things we don't even know that Rick was involved in outside of our church, helping with sound and setup. Many people relied on him for sound advice. <laughs> you got it. Whether it was setup or hardware recommendations, that was Rick. He has blessed us and so many over the years, and we offer our gratitude for him as his church family. We offer our thanks to Kathy as well, who absorbed the extra hours and the asks that we have made on Rick over all those years. And to mark his retirement, we got him a gift. There's a card in here with a gift. I let the staff sign it. I was going to pass it out to all of you, but they said that would be cumbersome. <laughs> we would need a much bigger card. And there's a gift in there. And we got him a plaque. And this plaque reads, The Award of Dedication Presented to Rick Smith in recognition of 30 years as a volunteer and member of the staff 
We offer our heartfelt gratitude for your hard work and dedication to Christ's service. You have blessed so many. Please join us today in the commons and catch Rick and Kathy when you can and thank them for how instrumental they have been in who community is today. Let's offer our appreciation to God for them this morning. And I, I told them I was going to try and have them standing over by the information desk between services so you'll know where to find them. Let's pray together. Father God, amazing and good, holy and righteous, um, it is our great joy to serve you. And we know sometimes it comes at a cost. It comes, we struggle with it because you transform old into new, old wine into new. That fermentation process can be a little bit weird. And it takes us out of our comfort zones and it asks so much of us and, and we don't know if we can, but you pour your spirit into us and you give us the strength and everything that we need to be obedient to you. And we witness that in the lives of others and we can celebrate them. We celebrate Rick and Kathy today and we thank you for the service that this man provided and has provided and, and still is providing for your church. We ask for your blessing on them. We pray for your blessing on Emmy as she joins us. She's kind of at the beginning of this life of faith as Rick and Kathy represent what a life of faith can look like after so many years. We ask that you would anoint her with a call and a purpose and a clear sense of who you've made her to be. We thank you uh, for new babies, for George Dell and uh, Troy and Asia, and this family that you're growing. We praise you for successful surgeries and procedures for Eric and Jim, and we lift up those who are struggling today, for, uh, who have got surgery coming and procedures and medical stuff going on for Alondra and for Bob, for Nancy Rigg. We pray for those who are grieving, for the Overway family, for the Meaning family. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to do your amazing work in and through them. Show us how we can walk alongside them and be their church family, be their encourager, and to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. All for your glory. And also, people would know who he is more and more. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all today and tomorrow and forevermore. And all of God's people said, Amen. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Oh, hallelujah, and the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, and the glory, revive us again. We praise Thee, O God, for the Spirit of light who has shown us the Thank you.